0: it is uh, just fantastic to be together this morning. Uh, I took a quick video there just so I can go back to Atlanta and uh, show people there how you have church, because uh, you guys are doing it today. This is uh, just a great, great thing. You know, uh, Reese and Marty are uh, incredible friends of mine, and so I have heard them share about this church many, many times, but I have never been able to be here myself, so it's so cool uh, to be here and to, to see you guys and to worship with you today. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles over to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we'll get there in, uh, in just a second. Man, it is... Uh, so good, uh, as I said, Reese, I appreciate the, uh, the introduction. Uh, Reese is, uh, what he didn't mention is when he came to Crossroads uh, to Gainesville, Florida uh, for college, uh, of course he was a college student, actually a graduate student I believe, I was only six years old and, uh, and he didn't mention that part but I was just six but So he was a lot older than me. I didn't really, I don't remember him then. But uh, as we, uh, as as time has gone on, as he said, his brother Blake, um, who sounds exactly like Reese, if you can imagine, um, married my sister almost thirty years ago. And uh, Blake's one of my best friends. Reese, Reese has become like a big brother to me, and it's awesome to have big brothers in the faith that are just there for you. And Reese has been there for me uh, many, many times in my life. He's flown out to Atlanta when I needed him. Uh, Last year, or or actually earlier this summer, my father passed away. Reese flew out to uh, South Georgia to be at the funeral. Reese has a big heart. And uh, it really is a hero in a faith, and I'm really thankful for him. Also, Marty Fuquay. Uh, I became a Christian in 1990, and a couple years after that, went into the full-time ministry, worked in campus ministry, and uh, in the early 90s, uh, Marty was kind of overseeing campus ministry all over the world, and uh, I remember as a young college minister hearing Marty Fuquay preach... And probably like you, I have heard many sermons in my life. Most of them I do not remember. That's true, right? Marty Fuquay preached a sermon, and I'm telling you, I think I could still tell you every word of the sermon. Uh, We brought it back. He was an amazing uh, minister, is an amazing minister, and uh, over the last few years has just become a a dear friend to me. And uh, so it's really exciting for me to preach to you guys today. So here's the deal, though. Uh, I was in the ministry for 12 years. I have not been in the full-time ministry for over 15 years. And so it's kind of dangerous when you bring an old preacher back, That is no longer paid by the church. Because you can pretty much say what you want. And so you might get some of that today. So over the last year I have done a pretty intense study on uh, King Solomon. King Solomon. And uh, of course King Solomon uh, was the second son of King David. Uh, He took over the kingdom from David, when he was 20 years old. 20 years old. And, uh, you know, the Bible teaches in 1 Kings chapter 3 that God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he asked him, and just imagine this, he asked him, Solomon, ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you. So it appears to him, I mean, just like the old genie in the lamp, but this was real. And God appears to him, this 20-year-old man, and says, Solomon, I will give you anything that you want. Can you imagine that? And Solomon had a moment of clarity and selflessness. Because instead of asking for money or power or fame or any of this, Solomon in that moment said, God, what I really need is some wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm only, can you imagine leading a kingdom at 20 years old? He says, I don't know how to govern these people. I don't know how to lead these people. What I really need is some wisdom so I can, so I can lead these people. He had a moment there. Now, I'm sure Solomon wasn't always so spiritual, but in that moment, yeah, he, he had a good moment. He was selfless. You know, the truth is, we can be a little selfish at times. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, I may not be much, but I'm pretty much all I think about. And you know, it's great when we just can take that, get away from ourselves just for a moment, stop thinking about us, and realize, you know, I'm really not the center of the universe. The truth is, I've got a lot of people that love me, and if I, when I die, they're going to come together, and we're gonna, they're going to say some nice things, but you know what's going to happen after that service? Somebody is inevitably going to say, let's go get some lunch. Life's gonna move on without me. And Solomon had a moment of selflessness. He says, God, I want wisdom. Leave me in God, it says, it says there in in 2 Kings says, God was pleased. You know, when we're selfless, when we stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others, it pleases God. And God said, you know what, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom and not for riches or fame or power, not only am I going to make you the wisest man to ever live, but guess what? I'm going to make you the richest. I'm going to make you the most powerful, the most famous. He gave it all to Solomon. In fact, I, uh, I Googled this. this. I was hanging out with Reese last night, and we were watching TV, and something came up, and he didn't know. He said, uh, I'm going to ask the Google about that. And so that's, that's what Reese calls it, the Google. So I asked the Google, who are the 10 richest men in human history? In today's, in today's dollars, who would the 10 richest men or women, were, well, actually it was men, but in human history. Sorry. And I won't go through them all, but number eight was Henry Ford at $199 billion. Number four was Andrew Carnegie with $310 billion. Number two on the list was John D. Rockefeller at $663 billion. And number one on the list was King Solomon at $2.1 trillion. Dollars. Dude had some bank. When God wants to bless you, when God says, I'm going to make you rich, He'll make you rich. So Solomon has all this wisdom, all this money. He says, You know, I'm going to figure out what life's all about. And and, and that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is really all about. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 1. He goes on a hunt for meaning and happiness. Isn't that what we're all on the hunt for? I look around this room. There's a lot of different people in here. A lot of different kinds of folks. But I can promise you one thing that we all have in common is we want happiness. We want to have meaning. It hadn't changed. Same thing Solomon was looking for. He says, I thought in my heart, in verse 1, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water the groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more uh, herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and for the treasures of the kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of the hearts of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I, check this out, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, all of us have to deny ourselves at some point. I would like to get that, but I just can't do it. Solomon said, there was nothing I couldn't have. I denied myself nothing my heart desired. I uh, refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon had it all, and he said, I'm going to find happiness in this world. And guess what? The funny thing is, he went for the same things we went for. The exact same things you and I thought would make us happy, Solomon thought he would make him happy. He said, I tried cheering myself with wine. Some of us think by uh, getting drunk or, or doing drugs, that's going to bring a happiness. He tried, uh, uh, you know, just doing, having projects. And uh, it says that he, he, he amassed silver and gold. I mean, $2.1 trillion. It says he just amassed it. He couldn't even spend it. He just had rooms. He would just go and sit in it, you know. Just sitting around, all that money. You know, I've got some really rich friends. Like crazy rich, like yachts and private planes. And I asked them when I was studying this. Out, I said, look, does money make you happy? You know what they all said? Because it's easy if you ain't got money to so say, yeah, money ain't make you happy. You know what I'm saying? That's easy. You're, you hope that's the case. But I'm talking to people that really got some money. They said, no, no, no. And my one, my one buddy, though, he said, well, but if you're already happy and then you get some money, then you're really happy. That might, that might be true. But he tried finding happiness and all these things. And, 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 and he says that he, Solomon had 700 wives. I mean, you can talk about some issues. You better not get divorced. You can go through it a trillion in a second with 700 Wives, I'll talk about that in a minute. But he tried money, he tried uh, alcohol, he tried sex, he tried entertainment. It says he you could, you could hire anyone. He tried all these things, and yet at the end he said, you know what? All of this junk, it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Can you imagine if you went outside after church today and you saw some, some guy out there just... What are, you, what are you doing, bro? Man, I'm chasing the wind. I gotta catch this. Be like, you idiot. I mean, you can't catch the wind. You know, us trying to find happiness in these things, some of us, you know, we've forgotten. These things don't make us happy. Yeah, you know, some of us keep going back to the same wells and finding the same thing it's not, it didn't back then, it doesn't today. There's no way to be fulfilled with those things. Yeah, right. Right. Chapter 3, some more wisdom. I, I, you know, I don't have much time to go through all of Ecclesiastes. You might want to study it. Also the Proverbs. He wrote most of the Proverbs. But I love this part here in Ecclesiastes 3. We've got to read this. It says, there is a time for everything and a season ...for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear and a tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace... And a time to refrain. Married couples get that part. Time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to man, a time to be silent and a time to speak up. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You know, I love this passage. And he starts off, and says, there is a season for every activity. You know, I look around here, and we got all different kinds of seasons of life represented in this room. I mean, all kinds. We got any teens in here? Right here. Let me tell you. Let me just tell you all something. Being a teen is a freaking awesome season of life. I'm telling you, you better sit back and enjoy this. Being a teen is awesome. Listen to this text. I have, a, I have four teenagers. So pray pray for me. Here, here, here's the latest text from my oldest teenager. Yo, Padre. Can I get some moolah deposited into my account for dinner tonight? I'm real hungry. Dude, you know, at first I got mad, and then I said, That's amazing. I mean, that's an awesome season of life. Because you know what I did when I got that text? I sent him the money. And you know what he was doing 10 minutes later? He was eating food. I mean, that's like a magical power. Enjoy that, because I promise you, I got nobody to yo, Padre, today. Enjoy it. You know, you want to get down on these guys, I want to applaud them. I mean, they've come up with some crazy stuff that they can text that and get money. I mean, that's amazing. And it's a great season because you've got all the answers to life. Reese talked about my dad. My dad was funny. I remember vaguely one time he said, Jonathan, Jonathan, I want you to stop right now. I want you to go write a book while you've got all the answers. I wish I had, because now I don't have them anymore. Man, st- great season. Singles. We got any singles in here? Listen, I want you guys to quit complaining about life. It's a stinking great season to be a single. Single. Here's the deal if you want to go buy something, guess what you do? You go buy it. You want to go out of town, guess what you do? I'm going out of town. I mean, it's a great season. You can buy anything, go anywhere, give up nothing, just you just, you just. I was married for 17 years, went through a divorce, and got single again. Now, I'm gonna talk, it was hard, and I'll talk about it, but there were some things that were nice. Like, I could buy things I wanted to buy. First thing I bought was a golf cart. I'm a big Gator fan. I got an orange and blue golf cart. I lived on a golf course. I got big, jacked up, suspended, knobby tires. I spent $5,000 on a golf cart. You think I could have done that (laughs) married? Singles, married, no kids. Now that's a good season of life. Because it's like you're single, but you ain't. You know what I mean? Married first kid, I love, I can always tell in the grocery store who's first got the first kid. You know, they come in there, they got like a mat to put in the grocery cart, they sanitize it, you know, everything. You can also tell the people with like four kids, you know, pacifier drops in a mud puddle, they're just like, you know, <laughs> you know. It's just different seasons. Married teens. I got four teens. Good gosh! Car insurance. Oh. And my kids just like to run into stuff. I mean, let's just <laughs> let's just bang into things. You got empty nesters. You know that's tough. That's a whole different thing. My son, my oldest son, nineteen. He left for college this year. I thought, I, man, and it's my only son, and. Man, it has been tough. I've been sad. I mean, you know, you you just still care so much. You wish you could be like, hey, you know, you know, enjoyed raising you. I hope it all goes well out there for you. You know, but you can't. It's an adjustment. and Retired people, man. They're just awesome. They're just like, I don't care. Whatever. I ain't worried about all this stuff. Here's the deal, though. You just got to accept your season. Problem is, we always want another season of life. When you're in elementary, you want to be in middle. When you're in middle, you want to be in high school. In high school, you want to be in college. In college, I want to get out of college. Get out of college, I want to get married. I want to get kids. I don't want kids. I mean,. Wherever you are, make the most of it. Enjoy that season. That's the key to happiness. That's what Solomon's talking about. There's times for everything. Just enjoy it. If you're in a good season of life right now, here's what I want you to do. Enjoy it. It says later on in Ecclesiastes, when times are good, be happy. A lot of us waste good seasons worrying about the next bad season of life. If it's good, hey, just, just roll with that. Because it may get bad at some point. Enjoy your season. right now we're in a great season, Christmas season. Enjoy it. Don't fight with all those relatives coming in town. Don't start talking politics, for God's sakes. Just enjoy the season and the time. You know, some of us, some of us are in good seasons. Some of us are in bad seasons. Some of us are in bad. I've been through some bad seasons. I went through a divorce after being married for 17 years. Well, you know, you just never even, I think I'm the first person in my lineage to ever get divorced. We, we don't get divorced in the Lucas family. We went through a divorce. We, were, we met in the team ministry. We were married and, and 17 years, and we ended up getting divorced. And, you know, I'm just keeping it real. It happens. And when you've been through that, you have compassion on others that do. And it was a bad season of life. And uh, for the worst part, was like six months we were living in the same home, even though I knew it was going to happen. And you know, because there was a lot to get worked out from seventeen years, and so you can imagine, six months you kind of meet at the coffee pot in the morning and exchange unpleasantries. You know, I mean that was a tough season, and it was all I could do some days just to get up and put one foot. In front of the other. But it's like that country song. I know y'all don't listen to country out here. When you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't look back. Get out before the devil even knows you're there. You know, when you're going through hard time, you just got to keep on going. And you know what? Better times are ahead. i got to close out. Uh, Chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You know, the good is not as good without going through some hard, too. But anyway, I don't have time, but all Ecclesiastes, maybe study it out. It's really cool. But finally, in chapter 12, in verse 13, he comes to the conclusion of the matter. He says, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything hidden, whether it is good or bad. Evil, You know, I love this. As as Solomon, with all these resources, searched for happiness at the end of his time, he says, you know what I figured out? All that really matters is to fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God. You know, I hear a lot of preachers talking about fear God, and they say, well, it means, you know, to honor him, and to have reverence, and to have awe, and I'm sure it means all of that, but it also just means to stink and fear him, to fear him, you know, I had some fear of my father, and that was a good thing, when I was raising my son, you know, this is way back, we used to spank him when he would be bad, I know I'm in California, they may bust in and arrest me. But, you know, when he was bad, and, you know, one time I went to spank him, and I went, and he would flip out. I was like, nah. I went to spank him, and I stopped, and I said, you know what, Jess? Today, you're getting mercy. And I didn't spank him, even though he needed one. The problem was, every time after that, he'd be like, give me mercy! <laughs> you know? And I, oh, no, no. Today you're getting justice, son. (laughs) That's how God is. Sometimes it's mercy, sometimes it's justice, but we got to fear him and do what he says. That's how you show you fear him. Now, I fear God. Well, do what he says, live by the Bible. It says, because we will stand before God who will judge us. And that's the great thing, guys. We ain't got to worry about judging anybody. Don't you worry about that or that. Or you ain't got to be the judge. You're not supposed to be the judge. But God will be the judge. But lucky for us as disciples of Jesus, when we stand before God on that day, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to be the mediator between us and God. And as we stand before God on that day, to grab us and hold us and say, Hey, this one is mine. They are covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're going to celebrate right now as we have communion. Let's have a prayer. Father, uh, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. What, a, what an awesome group of uh, disciples I am uh, just so thankful that, uh, that we have examples like King Solomon, who tried to find happiness and all the same things we did, and, and came to the same conclusion that we need to, that really all that matters is fearing God and, and doing what you say. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to cover us with, your, with his blood. Father, be with us now as we take the bread and the juice that represents his body and blood that was shed for us. God, we love you. Thank you for all the ways you bless us. It's in your son's name, amen.